It is 6.15. Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross with Heather Bosch. And here is CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger, now the author of a new book, The Great Money Reset. So... You know how I've been complaining for years that uh, the Fed's been raises interest rates, but bank rates never follow. I'm seeing bank CDs now over three percent. Isn't that good news? Yes, absolutely. It's it's actually great news, and and interesting that you should mention that because I think um, so often we we always talk about like what the bad parts of a year are for in a year like this where investors really took it on the chin, whether you're a stock investor or a bond investor, um, and and you know I think that the savings rate and the the ability to actually generate some income from your safe investments, man. That's a nice surprise of this year. And it does show you, of course, that um, nothing stays the same forever in the world of investing. So, you know, in 2021, we just came out of that year. And I remember saying the three best years for investors and stocks are, you know, have been just killing it for three years. Now we have a situation where the S&P is down almost 20 percent. The Nasdaq's down by more than 30 percent. The bond market is down by 10 percent. And your savings pretty good. Yeah. Doesn't mean you should put all your money in savings, no. but you know, it's nice to get paid. Hey, are there any investors who got through this unscathed, who were so smart at market timing or whatever other tricks they had that they're just laughing at the rest of us? I think that the people who are find themselves in that situation did so by accident. And the best story I have around that is the person who was ready to buy a house in the beginning of 2022 and had had a bunch of money, like all of the down payment money invested and then said, like, wait a minute, I, I need my money. I need to buy my house yeah. and just cashed out because like, OK, and then had deal after deal after deal fall apart and then, you know, contacted me and my podcast and said, oh, it's amazing. Like I, I've in, escaped the 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 terrible markets by accident. And that's usually how most of these things happen. There are very few people who got it just right. And by the way, the thing about market timing that's very tricky is you can maybe sell by accident and be shielded from the worst part of a downturn. Mm-hmm. No one's telling you when to get back in. Get and we don't know in, when right. that is. So the best investment strategy is dumb luck is what you're telling me. All right. Or you might say just an asset allocation and a diversified portfolio over the long term will probably do just right by you. And you don't have to figure out the best and the smartest and the this and the that, because research report after research report continues to show that if you are a long term investor and you just use index funds and they're properly diversified and you don't muck around with it too much over the long term, you should be fine. Is crypto finally dead? (laughs) <laughs> no, because you and I are the, um, you know, the, the people who've been saying for a long time that we don't quite get crypto. And then you have a guy like Sam Bankman Freed come to the fore and he really he has become the Bernie Madoff of the crypto era. So Bernie Madoff used to wear gorgeous suits. who's a very polished looking what he would call himself a New York financier. And he would basically say, like, you know, I am the wizard. You know, in fact, he was called the Wizard of Wall Street in some respects. And now uh, he was the one who said, well, you know, you can't possibly understand my very sophisticated trading system, which was a Ponzi scheme. Sam Bankman-Fried comes along 
you know, 20 years later, and he's just a disheveled scammer. And he does sort of pretend to be the wizard behind the curtain. And he does talk about this complicated and new technology called blockchain. And he sort of makes it sound like he is the savior. And um, the good news when it comes to SBF versus Bernie Madoff is that You know, individual investors didn't fork over money. Very sophisticated and influential Silicon Valley venture capitalists did. So I'm happy to have them lose money and just (laughs) prove that they're human just like everyone else. I see. So so most people who were hurt here had had money to burn, is what you're saying? Yes. And, you know, like, do I feel bad? There was an article, um, you know, about someone in in a um, uh, an individual investor who took the proceeds of his house and he said, oh, well, I invested in this, you know, this crypto marketplace that guaranteed a safe account of six and half percent. Ladies and gentlemen, when prevailing interest rates are 3% on a money market and someone says it's guaranteed and it's 6% and, you know, it's safe, uh, you get to raise your hand and say like, oh, red card. See, I did that little World Cup analogy. Very nice. Um, Red card, no. And so when somebody is presenting to you something that is really hyped up and seems out of the ordinary, ask questions you know, and don't believe the hype. Hmm. Finally, uh, as CBS uh, business analyst, would you like to give us your updated prediction on when the recession hits and how deep it will be? Um, Well, you know, I'm terrible at predictions. So here's what I'm going to tell you. There will be a continued slowdown in the economy in 2023. And you can thank still high inflation and high interest rates for that. And that will be the natural outgrowth of the Federal Reserve's policy. Whether it becomes a deep and prolonged recession or a short and shallow slowdown, I don't know. But if I were giving advice, not about predictions, but about how to manage that as an individual, here's what I would say. Go look at that emergency reserve fund. As Dave said, you can get paid 3% on your safe money. Make sure there's 6 to 12 months of your living expenses in there. Number two, while interest rates are high, if you've got debt that's outstanding, get a jump on that debt. And for those of you who are student loan borrowers, every single dime above that ten dollars or $20,000 threshold, I'd whittle that down while your interest rate is zero and get rid of it. And number three, Now is not the time to be high and mighty with your boss. Now is the time to make sure that you put in some extra hours and say, oh, let me raise my hand because I don't know where the job market is going. But obviously, the technology sector, the media sector, the the real estate sector, they're losing jobs. But there are a lot of other places that are still hiring. If you have a secure place in your current organization, be careful not to jump just for the bucks because there will be a slowdown and kissing your boss's tushy might work. So this is not the time to to dash off a long memo complaining about your lack of work-life balance. No, and and frankly, um, this is the time where you say to yourself, thank goodness I have a job. If I'm happy in this job or moderately happy in this job, just take a deep breath. You're going to have a little bit of time off and don't be so quick to leave because oftentimes when people leave right at this moment, the last person in in a, in a slowdown is often the first person out. CBS business analyst and the author of The Great Money Reset, Jill Schlesinger. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Yeah, good morning news. This is Dave Ross. Can we trust artificial sweeteners? There's a new study on one of them. Let's page the doctor. Paging doctor, go 
Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. This is another test of aspartame, which I thought had already been pretty much uh, tested to death. So uh, what did they find here? You're right. These artificial sweeteners do get tested quite a lot, and they're so prevalent. In the United States, it's marketed as equal or NutraSweet or Sugar Twin. So, you know, people do use that quite frequently, but even more so, it's in diet sodas like Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Diet Dr. Pepper. You know, all these beverages contain aspartame. And in the past, there have been studies done that looked at the safety of aspartame. And back in like 2005, I think it was, there was concern that uh, it was related to um, lymphoma or potentially related to lymphoma. But the studies that showed that were pretty weak. And so ultimately it was discounted and it's uh, continued on as as an artificial sweetener. And one of the problems with a lot of the studies that have been done in these um, with these different artificial sweeteners is that they're given in very, very high doses to laboratory animals. So for example, you may remember at one time the artificial sweetener uh, saccharin yes. uh, had uh, been uh, taken off the market and it was thought to be related to causing bladder cancer in male, ra- male rats. But what they later found was that they were giving like 2000 times the amount of artificial sweetener that somebody would ever consume. And so ultimately it's put back on the market and it's considered to be safe. So what did this latest study find? Yeah, the latest study is interesting because the latest uh, study shows that aspartame specifically uh, is linked to anxiety. Now, it is a study that's done in mice. And so I always hate to extrapolate. And there have been problems, like I just mentioned with the saccharin study, where they can be done in such a way that it's very misleading. But this paper was published in PNAS, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which is one of the most prestigious journals to be able to publish it. And it's very, very difficult to get something in there. And so these researchers from Florida State University actually did the opposite. They only gave 15% of the amount of aspartame that a human might normally consume, and they placed it into the the drinking water of mice. And what they and, and what they found was that aspartame uh, created anxiety-like behaviors in these mice, and that they could actually relieve the anxiety, reverse it with diazepam, which would be Valium. Uh, that would reverse the anxiety, and that's the purpose of Valium, is it's an anxiolytic drug. They also noticed that it caused changes to a specific area of the brain called the amygdala, and the amygdala is, in fact, responsible for things like anxiety. But more concerning was that once they consumed the aspartame and they looked at the subsequent offspring of the mice that developed the anxiety-related symptoms and the changes in, um, in the amygdala, it appeared to cause some genetic changes that persisted for at least two generations. Wow. So it's not affecting just the person, or in this case, just the mouse, that is uh, consuming the aspartame, but it's also affecting their offspring. And again, this aspartame was administered in doses smaller than what you'd usually see. So given this study, would you advise avoiding uh, sweeteners like aspartame, which is going to be tough because they are everywhere? Yeah, I mean, there are, that's true. And there there are other problems with artificial sweeteners. It's not just that 
as this study shows, it can cause anxiety-like behaviors in mice. But in fact, in humans, you know, it actually can create the opposite of what it's trying to do. Because when you take an artificial sweetener, your body thinks that it, ha it, it is experiencing this sweet sensation and it expects a caloric load to follow. Mm -hmm. But that caloric load doesn't follow. And so it can actually stimulate your appetite and people can overeat as a result of taking artificial sweeteners. This link to anxiety, is this the first time that, that an artificial sweetener has been linked, in fact, to a, a mood change? Yeah, it is actually. So that was what was one of the novel things about this particular study. Do we have any idea the extent to which the amount of social anxiety we see these days could be traced essentially to people drinking too much diet soda? You know, whenever I talk about uh, non-human studies, and I'll do it again today, I mean, I think we always need to take it with, you know, uh, a word of caution that this is just an animal study at this point. But I do think it's very interesting that they had this finding, and I'm sure the next thing they'll do is conduct a study in humans and offer all kinds of, you know, battery of psychological tests to see if people are experiencing uh, anxiety as a result of consuming um, uh, aspartame. And there's a very good chance that this is just uh, the early information leading to something that we're going to know a lot more about and hear a lot more about in the months to years to come. Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. Dr. Cohen, thanks very much. Thanks, Dave. How are we doing? This morning's commentary brought to you by Wafed Bank. I recently spent about 45 minutes on a simple transaction with an employee of a major corporation. It was one of those transactions where the computer wasn't cooperating. and We both spent way too long sitting there waiting for something to happen. Anyway, finally it was done. I said thank you, and he said thank you for being patient. And by the way, you'll probably be asked to rate my performance. And then he added, just to let you know, the scale is 1 to 10, but it's actually a pass-fail system. 9 and 10 count as passing, but anything below 9 is considered failing. Have a nice rest of your day. And I looked at him and I said, that's ruthless. And he agreed, yes, it was. And I thought to myself, why do corporations do this to people? I got the feeling that he's been through this before. He's dealing with a frozen computer. The customer takes the survey, rates your experience 1 to 10, and the customer likes the guy. But because of the delay, he gives him an 8 thinking it's not too bad, when in fact he just flunked him for something out of his control. It's like blaming the pilot for being last in the de-icing line. Now, I suppose it's possible this is not really how the system works, that it's not pass-fail, and the employee just told me that to boost his score, but then that also would reveal the problem with systems like this. They can be gamed. And these systems are everywhere. I've had these surveys pop up after getting a latte, going to the dentist, and of course, flying to New York. Tell us about your experience. Well, I wish New York was about three hours closer and that ice didn't exist, so I give you an eight. Anyway, I want to know if this actually works. So if you have a job where you get evaluated this way, at your convenience, once the snow is melted, go to the inbox at minorthrust.com and tell us if these ratings are helping your performance or just turning you into a paranoid wreck. One Colorado woman is working towards a dream project involving apples that could provide opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental differences. CBS's Barry Peterson has your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. So this land is where we're going to build our community. It's where we're going to build Tall Tales Ranch. Susan Mooney has a dream. 
called Tall Tales Ranch, where adults with intellectual and developmental differences, like her son Ross, can live and work. And she's getting charitable help from apples. And it takes all of us to do something like this and to really affect people's lives. So, yeah, it's it's terrific. One apple at a time. One apple at a time. These apples... On a busy day, I do about two to 300. Out of her Denver kitchen, Megan Fonte makes up to 2,000 chocolate-covered caramel apples every holiday season. So I'm hand-dipping the caramel apples in a milk chocolate, and then I'm putting them in almonds and toffee. Over two decades. Put a little white chocolate on it. She has raised as much as $18,000 a year. I'm a big cook. Donated to schools, a hospice, and this year, Tall Tales Ranch. Bought by people who pay all of 10 bucks an apple. How are you? Like Tracy McHugh. Excited to pick up my apple. A longtime friend. She's just very giving and always looking to do something nice for someone and give of her time. Husband Rob donates the supplies and pushes sticks into the apples. A bit different from his day job as an oculofacial plastic surgeon. I feel like I'm just the supporter of someone who has a wonderful idea and a big heart. And I'm, I feel fortunate to just be in her orbit. It's a family project, which is nice. They all support me. And then it spreads joy and makes money. So it's just kind of a win across the board. Chocolate, sprinkles. Almonds. Very tart apple. Mm-hmm. Lovely caramel. Mm. And here's one more slightly dubious surprise. There's no calories in an apple when you do it for charity. It's really nice to make the finished product as beautiful as we can because people are paying $10 for the apple. And that's really, really generous. Making the world a little better just because she can. That's good. Barry Peterson, CBS News, Denver. And now from the G and Ursula show, which starts at nine here on Cairo News Radio. Here is G Scott. Good morning. So you watched the you watched the World Cup final? No, you didn't. Mm-mm. Did you pay attention to it? Yeah, I mean, did you hear how exciting you, it was? It was? Yeah, heard the calls and all those things, and saw the social media. And, and all, look, I'm not a soccer fan. This is the truth. I'm not going to sit here and fake it and pretend that I am. Um, I do think that it's soccer can get really exciting, uh, especially when it comes to the World Cup. That's time, you know, when that's going on. I think there's a lot more at stake. The discussions, the energy, the passion is even more on the world stage. But I don't know, man. There's so much that goes into the World Cup happening. And all I can think about is what went into it happening, meaning – how many people had to lose their lives in the building of stadiums over there? And I, I know I probably shouldn't think that way, but I can't help but do those things. And, you know, considering our line of work and considering we actually talked about these things, it's just a little tough for me sometimes to enjoy. And if all the things that are centered around the World Cup and where it was and where it was held has been a discussion. And so right when, you know, you know, right when people want to say, well, the NFL, how about the NFL? Uh, just look at FIFA. <laughs> FIFA and that organization is just, whoa. So I know you were probably expecting excitement out of me with the World Cup. I apologize, Dave. I always no need I'm to hundred percent honest with you. I, all I know is how you really feel, and I, I think that's significant. So, so basically, because of all the the drama and the 
ethically compromised nature of uh, Qatar, you couldn't enjoy the sport. I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy it, and even before it started. Now, I'd probably be more excited if the U.S. <laughs> were still in it. That's the hypocrisy that I'd be showing, right? I would probably be able to put aside what's been going on, but I can't let that go. I mean, and by the way, if you're like, well, what are you talking about? There's all kinds of stuff you can read up on that has happened. Gee, you know, you bring up a really good point. I think we in the U.S., having traveled a little myself in this world, we forget that we do have rules. And yeah, we mess up sometimes, but we really try to value life. And that's not always the case in other places. I mean, I wouldn't think twice about wearing a rainbow T-shirt to a sporting event here. But people over there were threatened for it. No. We, we forget that. Well, let me ask this. Let's just say the World Cup was here in the United States of America. And let's just say nearly, some all accounts, between 500 and 1,000 workers have died from helping to build these stadiums. You think that would happen here in the United States of America? No. no. So, right? So it's, Not it's, without a fight. <laughs> it is hard to really. Now, I wish this was 20 years ago. And what do I mean by that? Well, 20 years ago, I'd probably be talking about, yeah, I watched it. And I just, I don't know, I didn't watch news that way. I didn't pay attention to news. So I probably wouldn't care. But I think the older we get, and I think a lot of can, people can understand and agree with this, the older we get, we realized that, man, life was better when we were naive, right? Life was so much better when we didn't understand and it didn't know some of the details of what was going on, right? Well, we will have some World oh. Cup games here in the U.S. coming up. So we'll have a, a chance to shine. But I want to turn the page just yeah. quickly. NFL, Tyler Lockett, that this breaks my heart. How is he doing? I mean, I'm, I, I would assume that he's going to bounce back through it. I'm, I'm pretty sure he might miss a game, and maybe he might be able to bounce back, come through uh, for the next two games of the season after that. But uh, I think Tyler Lockett is doing the same way all of us Seahawks fans are doing right now. You know, we'll uh, you know, Phil is a little hurt, right? We're a little the expect- battered. Expectations yeah. kind of we kind of fell short. Seahawks fell short a little bit. They're seven and seven right now. You're seeing other teams kind of rolling. The Detroit Lions are rolling, even though right. Right now, the Seahawks and the Detroit Lions are tied, but the Seahawks hold the tiebreaker over them as far as teams that are in the hunt. I don't know. The expectation, Dave, was playoffs, mm-hmm. and right now, those playoffs, right now, I think the, the, it's a 41% chance that the Seahawks can make the playoffs. So so the, you tell me there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the Seahawks have a very uh, – these next three games are going to be crucial, right? Uh, Christmas Eve, they're going to be playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a good team. And then they come back home to play two in a row. They play against the Jets on New Year's Day. And then they play against the Rams, uh, Bobby Wagner's Rams, on, uh, I think, January 8th. They got to bring it. Yeah. Well, uh, but but bring it. What does that mean? I mean, is there somebody? Is there is there that unknown player sitting on the bench who's uh, suddenly going to come out of nowhere and uh, save the season? Well, that's the thing about games in December, right? Games in December, NFL teams really find out what and who they are. And as for the Seahawks, I don't know who that player is or, or, or could be. Or maybe there's maybe the Seahawks have given it all they had. Maybe they've hit that wall right now, right? So I would say that for the next three games, the person that's going to have to probably be spectacular considering if the Seahawks aren't, haven't been running the ball well, 
haven't been stopping the run, which you know that now, Dave. Yes. I think Geno Smith is going to have to play extraordinary over the next three games to really get this team over the hump. G. Scott, 9 o'clock, Cairo News Radio. Thanks, G.